0: In the front part of our hymn book if you turn to page 108 you'll find what is called the office of prime this is a early morning devotional little service that can be used both at home or in church please join me there in the versicles Gloria Patri and confession of sin make haste O God to deliver me make haste to help me O Lord glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be forevermore. Amen. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you through my own fault, in thought, word, and deed. For the sake of the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, forgive me all my sin, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. text for our consideration today is taken from Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. This is a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're told in Matthew 5, where this is recorded, begins to be recorded, uh, seeing the multitudes he went up on a mountain and when he was seated his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them. And the Beatitudes we will use today are also part of that. But this uh, particular verse from Matthew 7, verse 15, we'll focus on today. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. These are your words, Heavenly Father, they are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Why are there so many denominations in Christendom today? That's a question that all of us probably ask ourselves at times. We may not think about it, but there were denominations in Jesus' day as well. There were denominations in his time. We maybe don't think of them with quite the same labels that we do today, but it's really true. And we have three examples, you could even say four examples, of dangerous denominations already mentioned in the New Testament. And just a little bit about them. All three of them draw their teachings from the Bible. All three of them have a very high regard for the Bible as God's inspired word. All three of them are very concerned about the arrival of the Christ. They pay a lot of attention to who this Christ will be and is. Now, that all sounds really good. You'd think this would be pretty good. Why would we be warned against them? Well, let's take a look at each one of them, each one of these three. First of all, the Pharisees. They were so protective of God's word. They were so careful with God's word and law and knew that it was divinely from God, divinely inspired. They were so careful with it that they even wanted to add other laws to protect it, to make sure to shield themselves and others from breaking God's commands but along with this they fell into the trap of self-righteousness they thought that by following their own laws and these traditions they made up to protect God's laws that somehow that goodness they created was what they could hold before God to be led into heaven and so what does Jesus warn us about this denomination he says be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, just like yeast going into a batch of dough to wreck it. The second group, the second denomination, we could give them the name the Judaizers in Galatia, up in the region of Turkey, and they loved the Bible, they loved God's Word so much, and they loved the Gospel, they loved to hear about Christ. And yet they wanted to just bring back and add in again one Old Testament regulation, that of circumcision. And add that into the mix of the gospel so that by following that, we could know that we are true Christians and then go to heaven. Just by adding that one little regulation that was part of the Bible itself, along with the teachings of Christ, we could get to heaven. Doesn't seem like a lot. And yet, what does St. Paul say when referring to this group and this denomination? He says, they are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. They're wrecking it. They're they're causing something to come into it that will, will make it go away and die. And he says, those who teach this way, let them be, let him be eternally condemned. A third denomination mentioned in the New Testament that we are warned against is a group that we've come to call the Gnostics. The Gnostics. And they wanted so badly to protect the divinity of Jesus, the fact that he is true God, that they they believed that having a human body, a fleshly human body, was part of this evil world. And so they taught that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, they wanted to protect his divinity so closely and strongly that they said that the body he had must have been kind of a phantom body. Well what does John write about those who taught this way inside of the Christian Church? He says, many deceivers who do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh have gone out into the world. Watch out, pay attention to this, don't fall for this, that you do not lose what you have worked for. Don't lose the gospel, the hope of heaven we have in Christ. Anyone who welcomes someone who teaches like this, he says, shares in his wicked work. So, they had denominations in Jesus' day as well. We we give them labels and things today oftentimes to identify certain teachings and confessions of different types of faith. Every book in the New Testament has some sort of warning about protecting the gospel. protecting this wonderful faith we have in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And the warning that Jesus gives us in the text before us today is all part of that as well. He says that it's going to come from those who look like they're part of the flock of Christ. Bible-believing, Bible-wielding people who are going to start teaching things incorrectly. There's a very subtle nature to how the devil attacks Christ's church in the world. He's not only going to do it, simply, he says here, from the inside, but it's going to be done by those who appear outwardly to be very godly. And for all practical purposes, they're going to appear to be some of the more devout ones who are following Christ. It is very rare that false doctrine enters a church body through the lay people, It usually comes by people wearing gowns. It usually comes from those in seminaries and in colleges. This is where false teaching historically has typically entered the church and caused trouble. False doctrine will never help anybody's faith. It will never make your faith stronger to believe something that is non-biblical. It will never make you closer to Christ to grab onto something that Christ himself would not teach. And a true true shepherd under Christ will never instruct his people to follow him or his church body or a particular congregation. He will always direct his hearers to Christ and to Christ's word. Martin Luther was once challenged regarding a a proclamation that had gone out from the pope that seemed to be a good, healthy proclamation for the church. And someone challenged Luther on this, on his position regarding the pope, and that he should follow this because it came from Rome. And this was Luther's response. He said, the pope may speak truth, but it is not truth because the pope speaks it. That's true for Don Molstead. That's true for your congregation. That's true for Bethany College. That's true for any church body in the world. They may speak truth, but it's not truth simply because they are the ones who spoke it. Christ would have us, if you think here, try, try to get into the mind a little bit of the devil as far as how he might attack us in our faith. In other words, if you were to think like the devil regarding you as a Christian, how might he try to use things that you like and appreciate to slowly, slowly pull you away from the gospel? How can he take your love for spiritual matters, even your love for Christ himself, and possibly move you in it and slowly shift you away from what Christ would teach? to get you away from that. Maybe to get you to focus on somebody who was close to Christ rather than just Christ, maybe one of his disciples, maybe his mom. Maybe getting you to focus on some of the things that that the Bible says about having a good solid family and teaching morality to our children and living a very pure and pious life. All things that the Bible addresses and fit very well into the Christian faith and yet, Can he possibly get us to maybe move the central crosshairs of our faith onto those type of things rather than on the gospel and rather than on our Savior? Can he take things that, that certainly are biblical and yet move us just a little bit away from the central belief and teaching of Christ as our Redeemer? If Satan can't get us to fall away from Christ by outward persecution, Maybe he'll try to move us away from Christ in much more subtle ways. Maybe he can't get you to move away from Christ, but possibly by a a change or something you do, he might get your children and grandchildren. And one thing we know about the devil, he's very patient and he likes to study us. So why does Jesus give us a warning like this? In the same chapter where he tells us, judge not, lest you be judged. He tells us here, judge, judge doctrine. Watch out, watch out what you're being fed. Be very careful with it. Watch out what you're going to pass on to your children because he knows what's at the final end of all this for us. He knows how fantastic heaven is. He's been there. He knows what a tremendous home he's prepared for us by his work, by his death on the cross and his resurrection and he doesn't want a single one of us to miss out on how wonderful that is. What a blessing it is, this motif we have in scripture of of the sheep following the shepherd, that the good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep, that he is leading us in paths of righteousness to the beautiful pastures of heaven, all guided by his word and his voice alone. And what a blessing it is that God has created faith in our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit, to to repent of our sins, believe in Christ, cling to the forgiveness he gives us because of what he did on the cross, and to hold on to that precious promise of life in heaven. Our Savior doesn't want us to lose any of that. What a precious treasure we have in this faith. And so we pray with his church. Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. Amen. Let's join then in the responsory on page 108. And please rise. O Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us. O Lord Jesus, seated at the right hand of Father, have mercy upon us. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. O Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us. Arise, O Christ, and help us and deliver us for your name's sake. O Lord Jesus Christ, bright Son of the world, shine upon my spirit and drive away the night of sin, that I may walk in your holy light all my life and even forevermore. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people and kindle in them the fire of your love. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord Almighty order this day and all our doings in his peace. Amen.